Yeah, it's time to take the jacket off and... Uh... Get inside the space, Odyssey. With Paul Bradshaw. Greetings. Splendid afternoon. Here in East 8. It's not East 8. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I'm not so far. used to being in East 8, it's a shock to be in my own manner of N16. It's N. <laughs> Stone Newington style. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the reason we're talking today, Paul, is because I think people deserve an explanation from you about um, the demise. Not the demise, because it's still alive, but the confusion about Straight Chaser, because we were just saying that uh, you almost made it to 20 years of print, but you didn't quite make 20 years. We didn't, uh, yeah, we didn't quite make it 20 years, no. Not as the Straight No Chaser bi-monthly edition as everybody around the world knows it. And, uh, and that was partly because towards the end of last year, we I think we'd reached a point where we were kind of... Um, hemorrhaging money on a certain kind of level and to maintain the standards that we were used to and the kind of standard that we'd set I think um, a decision had to be made to kind of uh, stop that so in a way the victim of it was the bi-monthly publication of Straight and Chaser so after that it basically meant that um, we just had to kind of reorganise ourselves so basically you have to wind down to wind back up. And as we said in the past, we've been in the basement before. So we're going back into the basement in order to kind of see the light. And um, so now we've got a kind of plan where we're just going to gently upgrade the website. And we've got a vision of several publications that we're working on. So we can talk about them as we go along. Mm. Um, history. Let's talk about the history for those that don't know. The new generation, Straight No Chaser, as I nearly said, almost 20 years. A couple of great um, events you put on as well in that time, Shape of Things to Come. Several volumes of that, which uh, took a few years out of your life, didn't they? Yeah, the Shape of Things to Come. They were, they were, yeah, they were, they were indeed special, actually. And, lo and looking back on them, they were so radical for the time. I mean, it was kind of um, quite bizarre to imagine a lineup where, on the one hand, you had Armia and Blackthorpe from the Roots in the same band as Steve Williamson, Omar, MC Salah from Paris, who was huge at the time, and DJ Crush on turntables, and a whole host of other people all in the same group. It was quite a radical... Um, Did Björk do one of them? Björk also appeared, yeah. She played with um, Talvin Singh and um, Layla, yeah. Arab. That was that was also she did a little guest appearance unannounced kind of thing that was that was nice and then we had all kinds of things like Jalissa Anderson doing sets with Batar drummers and I mean I think all in all the, the shape of things to come events were pretty radical really and there was also a crazy tour that you did in Japan we did that yeah we we took a portion of the people who were in in the shape of things to come events sort of people like palm skin simon richmond who you know from the bays these days um chris bowden on saxophone still one of the best saxophonists in the country Jalissa on vocals um again we we teamed up took dj crush with us on turntables as well on tour 
And, you know, there were lots of funny stories about the gigs that we did there. I mean, there was one brilliant one that we did in the north on Hokkaido in a club there, which was, I think you could only describe it as the Temple of Doom. The inside decor was pretty out there and pretty much a rave venue. The manager was a very nice guy who was very deep into his jazz, very, very deep into his jazz. But he said under no circumstances must the band play for more than 20 minutes because all the punters will go home. So we said, well, let's play it by ear, shall we? And let's see what um, takes place. And basically the band played for um, two hours. Nobody went home. It was uh, a wicked night. Proved that live music could actually um, mash up an audience like that. You did a lot of interviews over the 20 years. A lot of interviews. And uh, just as we were walking to the studio today, you were reminding me of Max Roach and Pharaoh Sanders and Youssef Latif. In fact, Youssef Latif was in this room. This very room, yes. Doing, doing that interview. Terry um, Kelly as well. We've been here together. That was a good one. Um, what was the most uh, memorable interview for you in the 20s? I know that's a difficult question, but... Is there one interview that kind of possibly changed your life? Hmm, no, changed my life. I don't know about um Is there one artist that really made you think differently? Had a deep um, impact on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean God man. Um, I mean actually Pharaoh was it was interesting because I had a real struggle with Pharaoh. It was a battle. Because basically Pharaoh doesn't really answer um questions of a kind of sociological nature so you know so if you said to pharaoh um what was it like being a kind of 19 20 year old going from sleeping under the stage in some club in new york to being transported to japan to play second home with coltrane he would just say i'm not qualified to answer that question so and every question you asked him was more or less the same answer so i was getting really desperate and he was actually falling asleep in the interview, which was quite, you know, quite um, nerve-wracking because Pharaoh's a cool guy. And um, and I finally hit on this thing of saying, well, okay, well, how, how do you make your saxophone play? How do you get the sounds out of your saxophone when it's not in your mouth and you're not blowing through it? Because it, it was definitely one of the strangest things I'd ever sort of experienced actually walking into Ronnie's and seeing Pharaoh kind of play, take the saxophone out of his mouth and this sound which made everyone in the club feel like they were kind of underwater. So that was kind of, you know, and he, and he just said, um, do you know Paul Horn's album, Live in the Taj Mahal, where he plays in the Taj Mahal? He said, well, basically, I was trying to reproduce that album in my room at home when I was practicing circular breathing. And I was trying to do the same as what he was doing, you know, he, he projects his flute sound up around the dome of the Taj Mahal. He said, but I was trying to do the same kind of thing in my room. And the result of it was that when I'd finished playing and I took the horn out of my mouth, it continued to make sounds unlike I'd ever heard before. So it was worth it in the end for yeah. that one gem of a kind of, of a quote. One gem of a quote. It's actually brought to mind a book that I used to own I don't know if you ever read it um, and I wouldn't mind anybody who's listening to this right now if they can get hold of a copy of this for me I'd be so appreciative of it is the autobiography of Paul Horn did you ever read that? No Great book 
Great book, and it's interesting that Paul Horn would have such an influence on Pharaoh Sanders. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. It was that was one that really came out of the blue, and I give thanks and praises that I had got that album at home and knew what it was, because otherwise I wouldn't have got that gem of a story.
Just pulling out some tunes here at the Brownswood basement. N something. It's not N16 though. It is on my part about. Yeah, but you're just too far down. And so is this uh, Finsbury Park. This is Finsbury Park. Yeah, you're in. Are you. I think this is. Um, is this Hackney? No. Is this Haringey? This is kind of the edge. It's the um, life it's the on the edge. Border. Border territories. Border territories. <laughs> Um, Paul's pulling out a couple of tunes from the um, from the shelves here. Um, I haven't heard this for ages. I didn't even remember this track, which is amazing. Don Cherry Jazz Composers Orchestra, and uh, yeah, and in, in a chaser vibe. I think um, if, I, if I think back into the depths of very early chasers, we ran a piece written by Ian Drury about D- Don Cherry. And I feel quite honoured now to have had that piece. It's very nice. I think Fiona Hawthorne did an illustration to go with it. Really cool, really cool. And Don Cherry, definitely one of those uh, jazzers who um, took it elsewhere. Spiritual traveller. And uh, father of Nana. And uh, in a way sort of associated somehow to Rassan Roland Kirk. Yeah, I mean, Don Cherry was kind of one of those kind of complete free spirits. I mean, I think that was a great thing about him. He was kind of a man who travelled, as I was just saying to you earlier, you know, about kind of the gig that he did with Colin Walcott and Nana Vasconcellos, the Cardona group. And he, he arrived fresh from the Magic Bus, which used to travel between Amsterdam and London, arrived on stage carrying his duffel bag and began to just unload instruments out of the duffel bag and carried on with the gig as if nothing had happened he, you know that i think that summed up don cherry he was just like this man who travels you know and uh, his music is like that you've met a few of those unique type jazz guys i mean steve reed is a little bit like that in the steve sense reed is definitely of that you know a man who's kind of lived those kinds of experiences and you know I, 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 it's it's kind of um Meeting people like that is, is, you know, kind of unbelievable, really. You know, and um, this track that we're playing now, I think we just have to take a little rest verbally here and let, let Carlos Ward do his thing for a minute 22.
build up where I get a climax build up in your mind.
Yes, we'd like to welcome you to Collapto Republic. Have a ball. Wait a minute. We'll play some songs. Yes, I'm going to take this opportunity <laughs> right now that we just started having a ball at the Calakota Republic, everybody. Having heavy brothers and sisters here. Yes, coffee on, on conga drums, man. Bradshaw with uh, yours truly in the studio Brownswood and uh, Basement Business podcast action just getting, vibes in getting just excited vibes. by the music you know um, you've been um, responsible for pushing some um, amazing records in my way and a lot of other DJs ways I think you don't really get the credit you deserve in that sense we were just talking as well that at Dingwalls um, you passed me a copy of um, the Art Ensemble of Chicago, themed yo-yo. And we actually played that at peak time. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> How can we get away with that? We are well, not as radical I, as that now. I remember, I remember, <laughs> because 
I felt really, I was in love with that song. I was just... Find it to your record, didn't I? Didn't yeah. give it back to you. Yeah, you know, you kept it. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and basically, you stopped the music and then you talked to the crowd and told them they needed to pay attention <laughs> and listen to this tune. <laughs> Not easy, but... And then you dropped it and people loved it. Yeah. I remember another time That's though, I think Ben Wilcox was playing it, it was a Christmas party at, um, at Bar Rumba about 10 years later and he played it and it just didn't work. <laughs> no. <laughs> but an amazing trip, we'll play that a bit later on, but this one in the background, I thought I knew most um, fellow Cootie records, but inevitably um, Paul Bradshaw said to Giles, you got to check out JJD. Johnny Just Dropped. Yeah. This is a heavy track. Heavy. Did you compile this record, Jazz Side of Fella? I did, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were sort of you were kind of plugging your product at me at the time. No. <laughs> no, I was competing with Timmy Regisford. Because right. my compilation was better than his. Yeah. But you had very few tracks on yours. I mean, how can you get away with a compilation with five tracks on it? <laughs> because one of them was well, two of them are really long. Yeah, know, but they're not even mixed. You got paid for that. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was digging in the crates. <laughs> that is true, and that's uh Major, major fellow Cootie. Did you ever? You saw, we went to see him at the Brixton Academy. We did. That was a, that was something of a gig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about three hours long. A yeah. game in three parts. Very long bit where he came on stage where the band was just grooving and he was just smoking monstrous spliffs and chatting God knows what onto the microphone. And then it kind of picked up a little bit. But the venue was kind of about half half empty at that stage. And then suddenly we went into the third part. I remember Jerry Lysick was there and he... Mambo Jerry. And he, he just said, I can't take any more of this shit, man. I'm going. So I said, oh, I'm staying. And then suddenly about two-thirds of the way through the gig, the venue just was full of Nigerians. And then the gig just kicked off and it was tremendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I think that was a time around that time when he was over with Professor Hindi as well, who was doing all that business of cutting people's tongues out on, on stage and putting them back in. And, and then, of course, he buried the guy, killed the guy and buried him up at um, Haverstock Hill Country Club or whatever it was called. Yeah, November. They killed him, buried him in the ground, told everybody to come back the next night to see him dug up. Yeah, true story. Camden. Did you, um, wow, that's, um, I'm just trying to accept that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You had to see loads of concerts. I mean, you still go and see lots of concerts, but I mean, as the editor of of Chaser, I mean, that's a big part of the pulse. In fact, for me, even when I went to see, um, sometimes I I have to, um, push myself a little bit to go out on a Tuesday you know to go and see a gig but I remember last year seeing Show and Cootie and uh, I missed that and I remember thinking I'm so pleased I saw that because sometimes you need live music which just puts everything into the shades the DJ thing the listening to records thing seeing it live there's no better place is there when it's when it's swing, when it's swinging and it's on heat yeah yeah I mean I you know I, I think you know like you said, you you know you asked me earlier about life-changing experiences, and I would say definitely, it, you know, if there's ever been any life-changing experiences with music, it's always been live. You know, and I, you know that's seeing people like Rassan Roland Kirk going off on one. You know, I mean, we played Rassan earlier, 
Um, and it's that kind of thing where you get an energy which is it's not tangible. You know, it just does something to you. I think Tawia did it to me actually at uh, the Worldwide Awards. I mean, I thought there was a certain point in that set. I think it was on on uh, every step, and she just hit a certain thing, and it was just like it made you kind of really vibe on it. Yeah. When it when 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 it just becomes when it just clicks into place, it's not yeah. often, is it? It's not always. It's not even, always. Even bands and artists have been doing it for years and years. They don't naturally always go there, do yeah, they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. some obviously. I suppose it's like anything, isn't it? And I suppose the best artists are the ones you can get to that point the most constantly. Yeah. Someone told me that I had to go and see Wayne Shorter this year because was it you? Oh no, Jez yeah. said to me. He says if you, if you want to go and see the kind of that era of jazz being played by a, a Don inside the music go and see Wayne have you seen Wayne Shorter in the last few years no but it would be interesting to see him you know I mean it's, it's for me it's a difficult one because you often get it in big concert halls whereas I think a lot of the best things I've ever seen I mean I always used to I used to love Ronnie's for the sort of second sets man at Ronnie's you know what I mean it was kind of when all the squares had gone home and all the suits had vanished and it was just you know the heads in there listening to people like McCoy Tyner you know or Arthur Blythe, you know. Chico Freeman. Chico Freeman, man. You know, it was just like, then you would, you were just uplifting. Brilliant. Where is that venue in London right now? Because I was in Paris recently, a few day, a few weeks ago, and I went to the New Morning, where you and I... Saw Amina Claudine Myers. And Hilton Ruiz. Hilton Ruiz, the late Hilton Ruiz. Yeah. And we saw that then, that was like the last time I went to that venue in Paris, 10 years ago, and that is a great venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is not a venue like that in London right now. I, I think it's a shame that they've lost a bit of that. You know, they've lost that with Ronnie's. I think that, that you know, in a way, when I got when I got reprimanded by Ronnie Scott, it was one of the things that you were banned from Ronnie it, Scott. Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, and one of the things that Ronnie said to me was, you know, there's no other. We're here for the musicians. There's no other jazz club in the world that you can go to if you're a musician and a member of the union and get in for a pound. And, and in a way, those were the cats who you would get in there late at night, checking out those great sets. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think it's a shame that they've kind of lost that. And I think the booking policy is well. It's just not the bands either. I mean, it's like Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Yeah. I grew up going to see yeah. them four nights a week at Ronnie's when they had yeah. their three weeks. And every night was different. Bobby Watson. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, that yeah, era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winton Marcellus. Winton Marcellus. Branford as well in the band. Didn't so you know Sun Ra Sun Ra at Ronnie's Sun Ra the mean fiddler in Halston <laughs> the go with that one I mean, that was pretty out there man <laughs> um, did you ever interview him no nope, I met him but I never interviewed him Jez Nelson, Jez Nelson did the one he did Jez it did we've it. got to get that because I think that Jez Nelson did him on Jazz FM didn't he he did and uh and some had the wolf skin. I wonder if he's got the interview. That's got to be a that's got to be a classic, doesn't it? Yeah, he's got to have that. He wouldn't have thrown it away. No, no, he must have it. And that could be a future Treasured, framed somewhere. Future podcast. He's got a, a page from the Book of Life, or whatever the book was. Yeah, he was given. He was privy to the the secret diagrams of the cosmos. Yeah. Thank you for the correct, <laughs> the Book of Life. <laughs> Old stuff that fella would have appreciated. Are you going to miss the magazine not being around? Is, well, it, is there a gap in your life right now? There is a gap in my life, yeah. 
And uh, I'm so used to kind of um, doing stuff and producing things. It's kind of like I said to you earlier. It's a bit like it's a bit like I'm juggling air at the moment. But I have got quite a lot of ideas of things that I want to do, which are all kind of chaser related. And and in reality, you know, there's never any shortage when it comes to music to kind of do stuff about. And even though I, you know, like my prime uh, prime idea, the, pr- the premier idea would be to do the Straight No Chaser book because I think we need to have the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. And then um, several other projects which are kind of related to what we've been into for the last 20 years, the, the scene that we've created. Plus at the same time, I was also kind of um, heavily into reggae during the 70s and I, I would quite like to pay back some of the people who welcomed me into their world and gave me a serious education during that time. So I've got a little something planned on the reggae front. And um, and then there's a couple of other people I'm working with who, who, who've got nice ideas, nice projects on the go that, that if other people don't take them up, I'm, I'm definitely up for taking them up. So I just need some people to come with some money to back some of these wonderful ideas. And um, I think that basically, you know, we can um, we can expect over the next next year to have some very good things out on the road.
had to play it off the vinyl uh, ensemble of Chicago. Actually, not your copy, Paul. My, your copy got battered over the years. <laughs> it is somewhere here. This, I feel like I did that. No, I never gave that to you. But it's an important piece of music. Um, Theme Dio Yo, Killer, Fontella Bass. Yes. Cinematic orchestra. You know, I mean, now Fontella Bass singing with the cinematic is the continuum is maintained. Sure. And Lester Bowie, another one in the Don Cherry, Steve Reed yeah, school. Absolutely, man. You know what I mean? I mean, again, another one who leads us back to Fella. So, um, and he, he he always said, I think it was in an interview, he said um, that he was an outlaw. And I think he genuinely perceived himself as a kind of jazz outlaw. He was a motorcycle rider. He went to, he went, decided he had to go to Nigeria to find out what was going on. Ended up kind of hanging out and living in the Kalakuta Republic. After doing a little test in the yard for Del, uh, for Fella over a Jamie Ambersall practice tune. Funny story. Yeah. So what, um, Fella had those vinyl records that were Jamie practice. Ambersall, which yeah. are basically records that didn't have a trumpet on them but they had the the original music in the background yeah yeah and yeah he put that on and, and he it, to... it was a blues yeah <laughs> and he, uh, yeah he had to play a blues i think you know fellow was sat there with his vest and and wife ranks on you know checking it out <laughs> great story he immediately ordered the one little boy to run to the hotel to fetch his bags he was staying great story but i think you know all those guys that's what's great about all those guys i think in the sense that you know, they travel with their music. You know, they went to places like Jamaica and hung out. And, you know, Lester Boy would tell you stories of kind of living up in the hills in Portland and trying to kind of um, send his trumpet over the top of the mountain type of thing. You know what I mean? And it's kind of this, that kind of thing where you just, you know, that's particularly generational musicians. And, and hopefully somewhere along the line, a new generation of musicians can take inspiration from the outlaw mentality that I think that people like Lester and the other guys had I mean you know I think it's they were outer national people and I think that that's um, something that quite a lot of younger musicians I think could learn a little bit from I mean I think you know you don't need to be stayed you can be out there it's better to be out there you know so I think um, when you listen to music like this it's just inspiring you know energy lots of energy
Your fanny's like two sperm wells Floating down the sand, yeah Your voice is like a long fart That's music to your brain Still sounds phenomenal that song. Song? Yeah, poem, song. I don't know, just improvised heaven. Our ensemble of Chicago, themed yo yo. Um, Paul, you know what? We're nearly done on the hour. Um, I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, it's fun. Eh? And uh, I think that uh, we should definitely sort of make this a continual thing, but it's all dependent on whether people enjoyed it or not. So I think we need to know. Feedback. Yeah, you give us deal. some feedback. Um, you can probably do it on the MySpace. Um, what's your email for anyone who wants to fund you and support you and to pay for those books? They can own. always email me at info at straightnochaser.co.uk. Paul Brad. Attention, sure. Paul Brad. Yeah, yeah. Legendary um, pleasure. Um, you better go and pick up uh, Tyo right now because um, you're going to be late. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to finish off. Oh, we played Steve Steve Coleman, didn't we? Just, we did. Just, just a very quick it. one. Yeah, that was fantastic. Hearing that again, Cassandra Wilson, Steve looking very um, Jedi on 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 the front cover there. What are those shoes? They're not Jordans, are they? Strings. Some high top, proper old school pumps. Yeah, man, with a weird jacket that ties around the trouser legs. <laughs> Interesting. They had some very interesting style, those M-based people, man. Kind of not consistent, you know, a bit weird at times. But, you know, great to hear Cassandra. She sounds fantastic. There's a whole story about her, but we'll do that next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, do that next yeah, time. yeah. Thanks, Paul. We're going to finish off with this. And it has to be said, on the front cover of the album, it says, Death to Crack Dealers. <laughs> and we know all about their own round here. You know. Yes. So we're going to finish off with... What did you choose? Bill Withers. Yeah. I love that. It's um, and I just love it. He pays a little tribute to Bobby Hall on Congas. You know, I used to love that little picture of her with a wool hat on on the cover of the album. And Bobby Hall was a girl. Yeah. Oh yeah. B B O B Y E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby, yeah. Bobby, and he gives her big props. You know, and um, yeah, Bill Withers takes me back to the seventies. Lovely, fantastic, great album. Find it because it's all good. A lot of folks. A lot of folks of all different nationalities and things come up to me and say, I dug my grandmother too. 
Folks with all kind of diverging backgrounds. Seems as if grandmothers are just one of them old, nice, old, comfortable, soft love machines. And I remember the first responsibility I ever had was to take care of my grandmother, make sure she got everywhere okay. And at that time, I was maybe five or six years old. And the most I could have done was let her fall on me if she decided to fall. But it was a hip job because grandma never went nowhere but to church. And it wasn't one of them sad churches where they sing them songs that make you wish you could just hurry up and die and get it over with. One of them kind of, let me Grandma and them had one of them churches where they sung. If you wanna have me, Jesus, it's alright. If you wanna have me, Jesus, it's alright. And at the funeral, they used to have to tie the caskets down. Yeah. Yeah. And they had them fat sisters in there, used to get so glad in, in the rhythm. Had a little stove in the center of the church for heat, and invariably one of them fat sisters would feel so good she would jump into the stove and holler ow right in the rhythm yeah and the only instruments they had in there was grandma was like Bobby over here Bobby Hall she had a tambourine and a triangle when I saw Bobby with that tambourine and triangle I couldn't help but hug her but grandma couldn't play the triangle good like Bobby can but she could deal with the tambourine so I used to sit on the triangle and hand her the tambourine. And the honorable reverend back there had an old bass drum that somebody gave him. And when the groove got right and the fat sister hit the stove and hollered and grandma shook the tambourine off the hip, the reverend would get the feeling so good he just hit himself all upside the head with the drumstick. Yeah. I love that old lady. Love that old lady. Grandma's hands clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hands played a tambourine so well. Grandma's hands used to issue out a warning She'd say, Billy, don't you run so fast Might fall on a piece of glass Might be snakes there in that grass Grandma's hands Grandma's hands soothe the local unwed mother Grandma's hands used to ache sometimes and swell. Grandma's hands used to lift her face and tell her she'd say, Baby, Grandma understands that you really love that man. Put yourself in Jesus' hands. Grandma's hands. 
Grandma's hands used to hand me piece of candy. Grandma's hands picked me up each time I fell low. Grandma's hands, boy, they really came in a handy sheet. See, Matty, don't you whip that boy. What you wanna spank him for? He didn't drop no apple core, but I don't have grandma anymore. If I get to heaven, I'll look for grandma's hand. 